You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Can I please have your attention? Greetings, dear listeners. This is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by the Dispatch and Dispatch Media. Um, I am still in New York. I am getting ready to get on the road. Um, I'm going to have to write a G file from my car at some rest stop. Um, And I hope you enjoyed the counter programming. Uh, that we did on uh, Tuesday with Jazz Shaw, where we got really into the weeds on UFOs, um, uh, which, given how otherworldly our politics have become, it was a nice break um, and kind of ironic. So, uh, but now we got to get back into the grubby business of punditry that helps pay the bills. And um, and so to to make that as lovely and pleasant as possible, I got the lovely and pleasant and talented A.B. Stoddard to join us. Um, A.B., welcome back to The Remnant. Thank you for having me, Joan. I'm here to grub with you. Um, And uh, we should let listeners know, I have to do this by an open window in New York because I cannot get my room to drop below what feels like Barton Fink, kind of like 90-degree heat. And um, uh, and I... uh, I on a good day I sweat like a fat man in an all you can eat pasta bar. So uh it's a little weird in here. Um and then poor A B in the in the heart of the suburbs um has uh lawnmower activity outside of her house that she's been running around the house trying to find uh a safe haven safe haven or safe harbor from auditory safe harbor and uh um and she was informed by her daughter home from college that she cannot in fact use her daughter's room um so we had to make that do with the second best room so you've been warned you hear birds which apparently were loud on the ufo podcast if that's in fact what they were um or if you hear lawnmower sounds that's what you're hearing apologies but this is the life we have chosen ab so how you feeling today so trump was indicted gave his mar-a-lago uh speech um the airing of the grievances speech what do you make of the the things? So I'm not a legal expert and I don't step outside my um, safe space and get into that stuff, but I'm going to take them at their word that this was a bust um, as a case. Maybe David Pecker will surprise in trial. I mean, I'm not saying that something crazy can't happen down the, the road in a long, long time from now. And um, it can't end up being a stronger case than it appears. But obviously, politically, it seems like the perfect situation for Donald Trump and Republicans who um, are eager to defend him. 
very rough day for the Republicans who are trying to get rid of Donald Trump. And I think um, last night was, you know, classic Donald Trump, right? He had an opportunity to rub it in everyone's faces, but instead he kind of helped the special prosecutor because that's what he does. You know, he was like, yeah, that's right. I took those docs and I have every right to and did all that typical, typical Trump stuff. So not really a surprise. What was interesting to me was how he was he was trying to get before the indictment was unsealed, Republicans to show up at Mar-a-Lago to stand in solidarity. And I wondered what that was like for people getting those phone calls. And in the end, he only got Matt Rosendale, Matt Gates, and Marge Green. So, um, it, you know, it, it, it was still a clown show. You know, Mike Lindell and, and whatever, Carrie Lake, you know, but it was not uh, Jim Jordan on stage, you know, taking pics with the guy or Elise Stefanik. So interesting moment of pressure for the party. Um, they feel good about defending him. His defenders feel good about defending him now. Um, but as much as a, of a disappointment it might have looked like for those hoping that Alvin Bragg was going to pull together a strong case, um, and, and really, in the end, um, vindicate himself. Obviously, the cases to come uh, that look like they will result likely in indictments uh, will make us, I think, not just forget yesterday. I mean, they're, uh, you know, if, 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 they, if they are the cases they appear to be, I just, it'll be hard to really remember this as a, as a big day uh, if, if those, if the, if the long arms of, of the law uh, come for Trump in, in, in those um, election stealing cases or the document case. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of things we should probably tease out, you know, take, take big box of things. We should probably take rummage through it and take out some of the shiny things. Um, and, but first I, I, I keep trying to figure out a way to, 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 to make this point that, comes across well, um, and the words they know come easy, but uh, I find it fascinating, just just fascinating as a sociological, like as a guy who sort of cut his chops saying Bill Clinton's behavior was not good, right? There is almost no dispute on Fox, OAN, Twitter, Trump's talk, anywhere that he is not, in fact, guilty of the underlying behaviors that he is being indicted for. The only debate <laughs> is whether or not these rise to the level of an indictable felony kind of thing, right? So it's a, it's a technical question of law that everyone is making into the issue. But like, you don't, like, I, I just keep waiting for somebody to say, how dare you, sir, suggest that the president of the United States, that Donald Trump, would cheat on his wife with an adult film actress or a Playboy playmate, right? I mean, like, there's no suggestion anywhere that he didn't, like, I, I keep getting chastised when I use the word affair. Okay, so trysts, encounters, uh, transactional relationships, whatever you want to call it, with these women. Um, no one is saying that didn't happen. And I think that's in part because of the sort of bro culture of a certain wing of MAGA. Actually, that's what they like about it, right? And they don't want to say he didn't do it because they they think it's awesome that he did it. And um, and no one really disputes that he worked with Pecker to do the catch and kill stuff or that he paid the hush money stuff, right? I mean, like, 
even Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or what's the other one? Uday or Kuse. One of them was on Hannity last night. And um uh yeah, Eric, and you know, he's like, all of this fuss for a hundred and thirty thousand dollar NDA agreement. Well, okay, he's just admitted, you know, like, yeah, my dad, you know, stripped a porn star and paid her off. And, you know, and so like I think that fact, which in Washington, whenever these pundit fights start about courtroom stuff, we immediately all put on our legal hats. But I don't know that that plays that that this is to Trump's advantage in Iowa or to the GOP's advantage anywhere. Um, uh, and it just, it, but it's funny how everybody wants to make it. Everyone wants to play a lawyer on TV, and like I, I find the law stuff interesting but like much less important than some of the other things. Well, I agree with what you've been saying for a while now, which is like, of course we know that he's guilty of these things. I mean, he's, there's no question. And of course, you know, MAGA is completely, if not comfortable with that, celebratory uh, about that. You know, that he, not only that he should be able to, you know, have this sort of squalid personal life, but that he is allowed to um, do catch and kill, you know, make deals to, um, interfere with elections. I mean, it, this did come around the time, you know, if you look back to Access Hollywood and and how, you know, shaky those days were for him, you know, with Reince Priebus going to Trump Tower to say, you've got to call, you've got to crawl off the ticket. I mean, this, it, it was consequential in terms of, of, of um, the campaign, but we, we always come back to, um, the fact that Trump is held to a different standard because if we hold him to account, a lot of people will get their feelings hurt and then they'll get violent and get mad and throw things and possibly, you know, burn things. And, and, and we could have a mini January 6th event. And so this is a completely different set of standards for him. Um, and I think you're right that what's interesting is sort of out there in the land of not politically addicted swing voters who decide elections on things that blow our minds, um, they they might look at this, especially if there's more indictments, and say, this is this is really a lot. This is really too much. Um, these are crimes. He got busted. Uh, and it might not be received the way that we're all um, analyzing it. Um, and uh, And they don't look into things like um, felonizing misdemeanors, right? They just can look at it and be like, wow, man, I couldn't get away with that either. And he's gotten away with all this stuff. And if it comes to indictment number three, you know, I think that there's going to, there's likely to be a cumulative effect, but again, this is right. This is the, the, a different, different, different subject entirely. What it's going to do to him as a nominee versus what it's going to do him, do to him now with his ability to mow over Ron DeSantis. I mean, those are different questions. Just curious what your actual position, so there's this talking point going around. Um, Karen Finney was making it last night on CNN with me. Um, I can talk it round, I can talk it square. I mean, uh, this, 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 this claim that on the heels of the Stormy Daniels thing, if this story had broke out as well, that it could have cost Trump the election. And on the one hand, maybe, you know, I mean, obviously you can't, it's not falsifiable, but, um, and any election that comes down to 78,000 votes in five states is, you can blame every 
factor, weather, bad hair day, you know, whatever. But what do you think? I mean, like, if you if you had to guess, do you think it would have mattered that much? So the double haters in 2016 who couldn't tolerate either candidate broke late for Trump, but by like a big margin. I think it was like 18 points or something. And so a lot of people uh, attribute that to James Comey. So, yes, it's hard. In a way, we'll never know. But if you think about Republicans who just might have stayed home, who were just thinking, you know, there's so much smoke. Now there's a raging fire. This is just a disaster. He's going to, you know, he he can't win. He's a crippled president. I'm going to be busy that day. I'm going to watch Netflix. Like, right. Just like you said. There's so many things that could have stopped them from getting in the car. And so it, it we can't know. And, I, and it's entirely feasible that it's totally rational that some Paul Ryan Republicans would have said, I'm done. I'm just done. Right. Also, it could be like, like, it's the sense of, I mean, we see this all the time in politics where there's a revelation and then there's a second revelation and then all of a sudden, all these politicians are like, well, if there's one, if one shoe dropped and another shoe dropped, what's coming next, right? So there could be this, like, you know, uh, you know, catalyzing panic about, oh, my gosh, it's a trend, right? Um, the, like, you know, the George Santos revelations or whatever. Um, like, you don't know where the bottom is on these things. Um, so I, mean, I, I can see it. I'm not sure it's a winning argument to persuade anybody now. Um, because so many people have retroactively, it's like, there are a lot of people who didn't like Trump in 2016, who now have become, you know, as Morgan Freeman might say in Shawshank, institutionalized to the Trumpian GOP. And, um, it's difficult to, you know, retroactively figure this stuff out with them. So then there's this other question. I think Nate Cohn from the New York Times made this point recently. Um, the polling, it seems to me is all over the place. It's going to stay fuzzy for a little bit, but it seems like a majority of Americans are generally favorable about this, even though a bigger majority concede that way. I think is obvious that politics is playing a part in here. And it seems to me like it's partly, I've gotten into this fight with my advisory opinion colleagues here. Um, it's partly the karma factor, right? Like there are a lot of people who figure Trump's gotten away with so much that he didn't deserve to get away with and now he's getting caught on something that, you know, is kind of rinky dink, but he was pressing his luck for so long that, you know, here you go. And I think Cohen called it a lifetime achievement award kind of feeling from a lot of people. Um, I, if, if a majority of Americans still feel that way in three weeks or three months, does the GOP start figuring out, okay, this is not, this can't be our guy. <laughs> Jonah, the GOP is a lost cause. I figured I had to ask. So a wise man once said this morning on CNN that he's juggled chainsaws his whole life. And that's true. I mean, he's been under investigation for 50 years. <laughs> and, you know, sooner or later, you're going to, there's going to be a misstep, right? Something's going to happen. Uh, but, but the Republican base um, is, is, rallying around him because of what's always attracted them to him because he tells them if i have to obey the law then you do too and you'll be next 
but but more more importantly <laughs> it's 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 really what it's doing to the other candidates the inability to run against trump when you're embracing him when you're defending him no one's figured out how to run against trump to take him down you have to take him on no one is taking him on except for asa hutchinson who's not going to go anywhere and so no i i i know that they feel already the you know the the adult republicans you know the sober minded conservatives of your you know the people that know we've got to get rid of this guy that know what 2018 was about 2020 was about 2022 was about and by the way i mean trump almost won 2020 but he was you know we can think back just a few months ago to when he was a, a pariah like after the midterms everyone said out loud it was trump's fault um and so right we know that they are somewhere knowing that the cumulative effect of future indictments and all of this baggage and grievance um, uh, is is toxic. Uh, but but I, I, I just look, Jonah, and I see just paralysis, just total fear, um, total numbness, and the inability to 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 build a coalition to take him on. It would have to be, led by Ron DeSantis. I mean, he'd have to be the, you know, the front facing fearless leader charging into the abyss. And he looks like he refuses to do it. So, you know, the, the primary voters, unless the Republicans figured out how to reconstitute the primary electorate, you know, to energize people to come in and try to take it back from MAGA. Um, but I don't know that we know that that effort is underway and it, I don't think they could keep it a secret. So, when I look at them, I think, boy, you guys are just going to continue to wish cast, and that won't make this go away. Yeah, I mean, just to explain the juggling chainsaws thing, I've been trying to figure out a way to to make the point that people, there are people who like press their luck all their lives, and and then when they unfairly or not unfairly run out of luck, um, they complain a lot, right? And so, like my basic rule is like i could see my dad saying look if you juggle chainsaws you're going to lose a finger now it may be that you eventually lose a finger because some guy trips you or bumps into you or startles you and that's that's bad and they shouldn't do that but like if you didn't juggle chainsaws in the first place it'd be much less likely that you would you know lose a finger and it's sort of like or like grizzly you ever see the grizzly grizzly man documentary no um it's a I mean, spoiler. That sounds very Jonah. Yeah, spoiler alert: the guy gets eaten by a bear, and like the entire documentary is uh, him pressing his luck with the grizzly bears when the grizzly bears are really well fed, and then when the the salmon go away, one of the grizzly bears is like, "Well, I'd rather salmon, but I will eat this mentally ill dude um, who's been saying crazy things in front of me with the camera for a while, and now he eats them, right?" And like all my Alaskan friends, are like, well, "Of course he." got eaten by a grizzly bear. Like you spend a lot of time with grizzly bears acting as if they're pets and they're going to eat you eventually. Like it's their timetable, not your timetable. And that that's my point about like what I think how a lot of people look at this is they're not going to get into the weeds about whether you can bootstrap a state misdemeanor with a federal law to make a, crime, a felony, yada, yada, yada. Maybe Bragg has got a way to get around that by making it He's alluding to state tax and campaign law, and maybe maybe he he can get around that or or not. But I think most Americans would be like, well, of course Trump did the things, 
and you know and maybe they shouldn't have brought this case but it's not like he wasn't looking for trouble and found it and and i and the the thing that like so trump said in this fundraising email where he uh photoshopped a mugshot of himself um this is the darkest time in american history and i, I was on cnn last night i was like no there I could swear there was this thing about slavery. Um, and like, this is the anniversary of Martin Luther King getting shot. And there was like the Vietnam War, you know? I mean, like this personalization of his own problems into national problems just doesn't seem like a way to add voters to the GOP column. He doesn't intend to add voters to the GOP column. Um, that's not what he does. He believes solely in, in um, just mobilizing people who support him to give more, to show more at the rallies, and then to be there at the polls, you know, uh, when it matters. But I don't think that he believes that, that he was going to persuade any new person. He stopped talking about people's problems. He, he, he focuses solely on his own. And so um, that's, that's what he's selling. And until and unless Ron DeSantis gets up there or, you know, Tim Scott and says, I hear you, uh, Donald Trump, talking about yourself all the time, but I don't hear you talking about how to revitalize distressed communities. And I don't hear you talking about, you know, how much my eggs cost. And so until and unless he's only, you know, he's a sociopathic narcissist, megalomaniac, circus sideshow and so it's going to be about trump because he's going to be defending off um prosecution um and fearing new indictments 25 7 right now and so i don't know that he can focus on anything else and so as long as that keeps raising dollars and and more people show up at rallies and stuff the more intimidated ron DeSantis becomes it's like a vicious cycle i don't i i, I just I don't know. It's it, it, we have to count on the others to say all you ever do is talk about yourself. You're not running as a candidate to make America better. You you, you know you're just running against Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith, and it's not going to solve any problems. It's not going to lift the country up. It's not going to win a general election until we, you know, see somebody find the nuts to say that he's going to be able to appear that he's mobilizing a great movement again, because to him, as long as he can, you know, have big rallies, raise big raise big amounts of small dollars, and then eventually, as we, you know, know, win a plurality in, 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 uh, in New Hampshire and, and Iowa, he, he can very well plow his way to the nomination. And of course, I would bet on that today. Okay, let's take a second to hear from our sponsor. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is over now. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Don't waive your rights and speak with the IRS on your own. They are not your friends. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. 
So call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit TNUSA.com slash remnant. That's TNUSA.com slash remnant. Okay, so let's take a second to hear from our sponsor, Aura Frames. Longtime listeners know I'm a big fan of Aura Frames. I've gotten them as gifts. I've given them as gifts. I sent my daughter back to college with one so she could look at many, many, many pictures of her cat and I guess her parents as well. So if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life, Aura Frames are a beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. I can attest, it is very easy to use, very intuitive. You don't have to read a lot of documentation. And it's just like you load the app and it says, what pictures do you want in your frame? And you put them in your frame and you can change them and you can set the settings to whatever you want for how long the pictures stay there. It's pretty idiot proof. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an Aura frame. Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's AuraFrames.com. A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use the promo code REMNANT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So we talked about this back in 2020 or in advance of the 2022 election about how cynical it was for Democrats to support the craziest Republicans, the most MAGA, the most election-denying guys. Um, it feels less obvious, but also very similar to me that like, it seems like the Democrats are growing more and more comfortable with the idea of running against Trump. There was this piece in Politico recently that sort of intimated that the Biden's advisors are thinking that this is the best way to go. Do you think that that's, in fact, the thinking? And 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 what do you think of Biden's chances? You know, I mean, like, it, it's putting a lot on an 80-year-old, 80-something-year-old dude to keep Donald Trump from getting reelected again. Because I, I would like... I would like some suspenders to go with the belt if that's, if that's who we're counting on. So I literally four days ago was at lunch with a like-minded fellow and said, I think that it is scientifically proven, okay, maybe not proven, but um, realistic that Trump was responsible for hundreds of thousands of people dying of COVID while he lied to us. He was on the phone with Merck January 30th of, of 2020, trying to find a vaccine, knowing how lethal this was. A week later on February 7th, he told Bob Woodward he knew how dangerous it was. And he lied and he lied and he lied. He wouldn't give us tests. He didn't want the numbers. We couldn't test ourselves. The thing is absolutely crazy. And he almost beat Biden. He, he lost by 44,000 votes in four states this time. I mean, the, that, that's what decided the election this time. And so I see a Trump-Biden um, rematch and I see those voters I referred to earlier who, who are not partisan, who don't follow this stuff, looking at these two old men and saying, Biden looks older and gas costs more now. 
And so I'm just going to vote for Trump because he seems like he has more energy and he won't end up in the hospital. And the gas was cheaper then. Done. So any, any, any experiment where they think, oh, you know, we'll do this again. We can beat him back. Um, Biden beat him in 2020 um, is, is to me is, is a huge mistake. I understand their fear of Biden running against Ron DeSantis. I still believe that Biden's not running. I believe that he keeps pushing off his announcement because he doesn't know how to get out of this, but he can't. I just don't think he can run. I still feel that way. Um, And I think that the Democrats are are really miscalculating, thinking that Donald Trump um, is going to be easy to beat. I do, however, Jonah, think that if we go to a younger Democrat like Gretchen Whitmer or Josh Shapiro up against old crazy man Trump, I think they have a better chance than Biden, my personal opinion. No, I tend to believe that, too. You have to figure out what to do about, you know, what do you do with a problem like Kamala, right? Uh, um, I'm actually, my hotel is right around where West Side Story is supposed to take place. And so I feel like I should sing that, but I will spare everybody. Um, um, But yeah, no, I agree. Like Josh Shapiro, I think, you know, um, particularly, and I, I, I don't want to speak with too broad a brush, but like, there is a fringe of MAGA world that loves to play with the anti-Semitism stuff. And that will turn off more voters than it will attract. Um, and um, and also Trump is terrible with female opponents. He says things that um, really, for kind of understandable <laughs> reasons, make uh, annoy women. Um, and <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, so, you know... Um, I agree with that entirely. If you could figure out how to clear the field of the worst candidates, um, I, I, I think it's almost a given that Trump would lose against somebody else. I mean, this is the, very much like the problem in 2016, right? Is both parties nominated the one candidate capable of losing to the other one? Um, and um, so then this brings us to the no labels option. The third party option. Uh, I, know, I know you were friends with some of these people. Um, um, first of all, just for listeners who are not clued in, what the hell is going on there? Well, there's a long Washington Post piece that I would recommend because it has every single detail about their polling and everything that they've done from start to finish on this. Um, and that's only it came out over the weekend, so that's it was like April two. It came out Sunday. Um, the, I believe in the concept of third-party options. I always have, um, but obviously we it's unproven because they've only been spoilers and we we can't see a scenario in which they they are not spoilers. And so the, the no labels um, insurance policy concept was supposed to be for unacceptable options for both parties. And that was initially discussed as Bernie versus Trump or AOC versus Trump. I don't know how you call Joe Biden unacceptable. I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to run because of his age. And I think he doesn't want to run again. But I don't think he's unacceptable. And I think in the face, I mean, 
if, if there is a Biden and Trump rematch, low that the Americans dread this. Um, I do not think that Biden is unacceptable against a man who tried to wreck the constitutional order and still intends to. Uh, so there's that. That's that's and that's what Bill Galston said. And Bill Galston has left uh, no labels. So there's a lot of controversy around this because they are polling a concept, but they don't have a ticket. And so while people can say it looks like Joe Manchin is probably going to be on their ticket, there wouldn't name a ticket until next year. And they say that they wouldn't run this I, this um, third party unity ticket if if they didn't need to. Uh, Joe Lieberman was quoted saying, maybe we'll bring our platform to both candidates and one of them will endorse our moderate, independent, pragmatic platform, and then they will get our endorsement. The problem is, I mean, anyway, and, we, we, we just don't heart. know in that yeah. scenario, right, if Biden or Trump would, would sign on to that. And we don't know if Biden and Trump are going to be the nominees. And it's such a volatile situation. And either Biden or Trump could actually end up in the hospital just actuarially in the next, you know, nine months that it's just hard to know what that looks like now. And so, you know, it, it I mean, I just, right now, I don't think it's a live prospect simply because it's a long way between now and them naming a ticket. and. Um, and they're polling, some of their new polling looks like it showed that it, it would indeed help Trump. And so initially it showed that it didn't. And so that, I, I don't think it's an actual, I don't look, I, to me, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, but, but you know, this is my independent, homeless, politically homeless centrist thing that I've always just wished we could elect more independents and deny a majority, let's say in the Senate, to Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell, but you know it, it, it doesn't seem to work out. It could work out at the state level, um, but in terms of a presidential election, it still seems like you know really smart people like Mike Bloomberg have tried this, and in the end, it looks like independents. Too many of them are leaners, and in a fight, they bounce back to their partisan corners. Yeah, I have. Um, I've worn it for many a podcast. Uh, a Samoans for Bloomberg T-shirt. <laughs> Um, oh, Jonah, that is the best. <laughs> it, I can't remember who sent it to me, and I really apologize because I feel like I should remember. But it's this great shirt, and it's just like because Samoa was the one place he he won delegates from, and for the princely sum of like twelve million dollars per Samoan or something like that. You know? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, all right, so I, like I, I, I should be clear. A.B. Stoddard is is beloved and revered across the land. I have many friends who just think you're the best, but they also think you're crazy about Biden's not running. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you when we're not recording, who has texted me about this after the last time you were on. <laughs> um, so I feel like I should give you the opportunity to make your case one more. I, mean, I, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows the why you think he shouldn't run too old, yada, yada, yada. But what what on what do you base this idea that he will not run? Okay, I don't believe he's running because I don't believe that he can because of his age. I believe that doesn't mean that he's not worth voting for. Like I just said, he is not unacceptable. If he were to run against Trump, he would absolutely be worth voting for. I would never vote for Donald. I've never had vote for Donald Trump. And after January 6th, I, 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 I just don't know how anyone could rationalize it. Um, 
but I do think that um, I have written multiple columns on why I don't think that Biden will run and I don't think he can. And these, this is the short like bullet points. Um, I understand that he chose Kamala Harris because she was the do no harm candidate, but it has not been a, a great success. Americans do not want a Donald Trump, I mean, um, President Biden to be succeeded by her in the event of a health crisis. And they do not want, they do not believe that she can win a national election, nor does Biden's team believe now that she can win the presidency. And so he's in a little bit of a jam. He doesn't want to offend um, Black women, most important part of the Democratic coalition. All of this I understand. However, Joe Biden, should he decide not to run, and I'll get to why I don't think he will in a minute, um, Joe Biden does not have to endorse his vice president. In fact, you don't do that. Um, Barack Obama dumped him for Hillary Clinton. It wasn't in the headlines of the newspaper, but everybody, it was implicit. He had chosen Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden, should he say at, at any point, I have decided that my family and I have come together and decided, you know, we, I really can't, I shouldn't pursue this and tell you that I can solve this country's problems and lead this, the great, the free world until January of 2029. And so, and so at that point, he would not, he would say choosing Kamala Harris was the best decision I ever made and may the best man or woman win. She's going to be so hard to beat, but Joe Biden doesn't pick nominees, voters pick nominees. You don't put your thumb on, on the, on the primary. You don't do it. And, and, and he, he would, he, he can't do it. And so he can act like he's super supportive and he may, might've lined up South Carolina that way, but you don't, you don't choose a horse. And so that way he's able to say, he, to bless an open primary and say, I will fight like hell to make sure that whoever is the nominee wins the general election. That's how he leaves. That's how you handle that. And you keep saying nice things about her and you let her do a lot of like events with him, whatever. Um, but no, you do not rig it for her. The, the, the thing was rigged for Hillary Clinton and look where that got the Democrats, okay? You don't rig it. And so, and we know the parties aren't able to rig things anyway. Like that's crazy, right? They don't control the good money. Like this is, anyway, I mean the, the important money. So then as we've discussed, there are plenty of people that can step in. And the reason I don't think he's gonna run is because he intended to only serve one term, but his advisors talked him out of it in 2019, doing a one-term pledge. Therefore he came out and said that thing about how he's a bridge to the next generation. Um, and I just think that I've covered Joe Biden and spent a lot of time with him. And I believe that of all the things you can say about him, you can bust on him as a calf machine and a fabulous, but he's not not self-aware. He's aged in the presidency as everybody does, no matter their age, when they serve as president. It's an enormously stressful job. And I don't I believe that he knows that he shouldn't serve till 86, and he really can't. And that he could, as a senator, be 89 years old, like Chuck Grassley, but that he shouldn't be trying, that he sets the country, maybe, maybe even the West up for a crisis if he's if he's president. Um at that age. And so I, I, I do not see it. I, I do not see how he proceeds and, and says, I am a viable candidate um, for, for president. I don't see how he campaigns. I don't see how he, I, I don't see how he wins. The whole thing is, I don't see any of it. So I know that I'm alone and I'm isolated. Um, I totally understand that, but this is my gut instinct that this is crazy that he could run. So um, look, 
being alone and isolated is is what the remnant is all about. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, uh, and I look, I, and I, I I agree with large swaths, or as the British would say, swaths, because they're barbarians, of your argument. Um, but the only place I I got to push back a little bit is just the self aware part, and I just don't I don't see I don't look at Joe Biden. You know, forget corn pop and all that kind of stuff. I don't see Joe Biden talking when he talks about Joe Biden. And I said, wow, look at that self-aware guy. You know, <laughs> um, no, Jonah, I'm not saying that I, I'm saying well, that's why I phrased it the way I did. I said he's not not self-aware. Joe Biden entered the Senate with two what of his sons were in the hospital from the car accident that killed his wife and daughter. And then later on had either like some kind of embolism or aneurysm and was out of the Senate for six months as a young man. Like this dude is not not aware of how much he's aged. He is aware of how tired he is. That's what I'm talking about. He's aware of how fragile his son's life is, Hunter, that he is an addict who could go off the wagon at any time and start using again. He is aware that his grandchildren really look to him as, you know, Bo's kids. I mean, he's, in a way, he's like, he, he's not just a matriarch. I mean, in a way, he and Jill are like, really mom and pop of the whole family. Um, yeah. Patriarch, by the way. Uh, sorry, sorry, patriarch. I'm sorry, not enough coffee this morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I think he's aware of his, of his family's needs and his own um, age. And um, apparently when people's, when he's in private, he's, he says, you don't think I know how old I am? Like, he knows this. Like, it's like, a, it's like an open discussion. And so that's what I'm saying. So if I had a theory that, say, Luxembourg was preparing for an invasion of Germany, um, I would look for evidence to support my theory. like. Are they massing their three tanks on the border? Are they uh, drafting their 12 non-Euro trash, non-club kid, able-bodied men into their army, right? Whatever it is, you know. Um, are you seeing things institutionally in the Democratic Party or in the White House that is a sign that Biden knows that he's not going to run and is trying to set things up for a non-rigged primary or anything Anything that you would say, aha, this is proof or evidence, not proof, evidence that supports my contention that in his heart of hearts, he knows he's not going to run again. Yes, crazy conspiracy, conspiracy theorists look for signs, and I am doing that. I'm on the hunt. And I give you, Jeff, science. If you're running for a second term as an 82-year-old man, would he be your chief of staff? No, that's a lame duck chief of staff keep the trains running, everything's great. But like, Ron Klain's going to go to the campaign. Where's the campaign? I, I continue. He told David Muir a few weeks ago when he was interviewed, he goes, oh, no, no. He goes, when are you going to announce? He goes, I don't know. I have so much to do be before a campaign. I have so much left to do. Um, and it just sounded to me like, um, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with this. Would you have, on crime, on drilling, and on immigration, pissed off the progressive left this spring, if you're running to like secure every last vote of theirs and like drive them into an energized campaign, probably not. Um, and 
I uh, know. Unless, well, I don't know, but I let me special because, like, you know, like my people, you know, my troglodytic right wing, uh, uh, non Trumpy people, um, they see, and even some of my troglodytic Trumpy people, uh, they see Biden doing the racing to the center, race, walking like uh, an old man at the mall getting his steps in towards the center. <laughs> in his tracks chenille tracksuit yeah with tennis balls on the walker you know but he's getting there he's going <laughs> in that direction so so i don't see that and then my final thing is that jill said in an interview with cnn in africa oh of course he's gonna do it do it do it do it and then at the end she slipped and said i mean look if he wants to do it of course we'll support him so again i i i just this defies this just defies our physical powers it defies logic and 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 rationale this is just everyone is talking about this jonah like he's going to announce tomorrow that he's running and the election's going to be on june 5th like this is like look down the road at this it just it's just not it's not rational to me and i again i know i'm i know i'm the only one and everyone says he's the only one who can keep the coalition together. Whatever, man. I, I, I just think it's such a risk for him to run at his age, a risk to run against Trump, a risk to run against Ron DeSantis. I think he knows that. Um, a risk to leave Kamala Harris to inherit the presidency. Um, I think he wants to, to concentrate on Ukraine and China and not um, a campaign running around saying stupid things, falling off stages like, Bob Dole at Chico ending up in, you know, a half body cast with a broken femur. It's just not, it's to me, it's un, to, uh, totally unrealistic. I'm not, I'm not with you. You feel me. Like, I'm sure your husband has some experience with this. Uh, there, when you're shopping with your wife and you have to hold her handbag um, and sit bored at the department store for a while, right? That's how I feel, right? I'm not going into the dressing room with you. You're in there alone, but I'm gonna hold your handbag and like be supportive. And uh, that's the best I can do. And I want you to be true. I want you to come out with the, like the best outfit ever, whatever. That's great. And I'm happy to pay for it. And I'll be delighted if, we're, if it all works out. But this is the dumbest friggin' metaphor I could come up with. But it's just sort of how I feel about it. I love it. You're just cringing on the inside, holding a purse. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, but I'm I'm there for you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to go go play, you know, asteroids at the retro arcade or get a smoothie. I'm here, and I'm supporting you in this. And and in part because I wanted I mean, to be true. Look, I, 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 very smart people. I will tell you, and I cannot release their names. <laughs> But very smart people agree with me. Um, very smart published syndicated people. So on the on the on the is or the ought. I mean, on the that you're right on the prediction or that you're right that it your prediction should Jonah, be true. The American people are with me in the polling on the ought. Everyone is. We're all in the same ought boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, on the on the gut instinct yeah. that like we are in for a huge surprise and that this man knows he can't do it. No offense to Jeff Science, but like realistically, this is crazy on so many levels. No, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I mean, and you know, they, it's, it's, uh, they blinded me with Zions.
So uh, where to go from here? So oh, like uh, we're doing rank punditry. Um, what do you uh, what do you make of the results in Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean the fact that it was a landslide is crazy. It's so bad for Republicans. Um, I don't know exactly what the trigger law is that kicked in last summer, but it's bad. The abortion, like the no abortion except for, unless the mom is like dying, I think. Um, and uh, that is a real problem for Republicans. Just if you look at the 2024 field, we know that Trump has thrown the pro-life movement under the bus. He blamed, rightfully so, you know, a lot of the abortion, I mean, the, a lot of the midterm results on abortion, but um, that is apparently causing him, I mean, there's some erosion from his evangelical support. I don't know if that's gonna matter in the end, because it's really in the end, it's no longer, like it's just binary, right? They just, they're gonna go with the winner for power. But um, I think Ron DeSantis and and um, uh, anyone else who's, uh, Nikki Haley and people who are gonna be in the race have to figure out how to talk to Mike Pence about this issue and 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 find themselves in the space where the consensus, the consensus spot uh, for most Americans, we believe that, um, abortion should be legal until 12 or 15 weeks. 20 is the outermost. Um, but I think it's really hard. This no exception space for Republicans. These trigger laws are making pro-life voters pro-row um, after they learned what would become of this. And and so I, I just think that this is a, this Wisconsin, that's, that's what it's all about it, to me in Wisconsin. It's not so much the redistricting maps, you know, that was the other issue that uh, Protestay was, was running on. And I think that that the abortion thing is alive and well and a huge problem for Republicans. I think Sarah Longwell was making this point. I was making this point. On, I saw that she was making it after I was on CNN this morning. But, um, you know, the, the demands of what the base of the Republican Party want to hear, whether it's Trumpy grievances or it's 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 the straight pro-life position, um, which on the merits, I'm, I am sympathetic to the straight liberal life position, but like, I'm just saying as a political matter, um, um, uh, you know, I can't get work. Well, anyway, we don't need to talk about abortion policy. Um, I, I, I'm less as of a stalwart pro-lifer than my pro-life friends would like, and I'm way too much of a pro-lifer for my pro-choice friends. So there you go. Um, but, um, very remnant. Um, uh, the, the, what, you know, what, what the, what the sincere base of the party wants is straight pro-life stuff. Um, and then there's also the sort of the MAGA base, which there's some overlap, which just wants to hear the airing of the grievances over and over and over again. Um, and basically hear the Mar-a-Lago speech from last night. And the problem is, is that neither of those positions wins the marginal moderate Republican swing persuadable centrist independent whatever right i mean it's like it's i'm saying for seven years now that the the gop is caught up in this theory of electoral politics that it's like the 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 salesman who says sure we lose money on every sale but we'll make it up in volume right i mean they 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 do all sorts of things that are great for solidifying voters they already got but turn off the marginal gettable voter. And it seems to me that the abortion, abortion position and the all in for the personalization of the Republican party to Trump are two ways in which it's guaranteed to be a rump party, right? I mean, it, it's it, it, at, at the national level, it cannot be a majority party if it has no sort of like 
attempt to win over people to a coalition that would make it a majority party. Yeah, I, it's just so amazing, Jonah, to watch um, the party of freedom become the party that is just bumper sticker taking away your freedoms. I mean, that is the perception now. Republicans are going to take your books. They're going to try to stop you from going from a red state to a blue state to get an abortion and on and on. And it's just, it, it's it's just insane. Um, I understand, again, I, I am, I, I think everyone should be morally conflicted over abortion. I'm deeply conflicted over it, but I believe it should be, like I said, I, I legal until early. And, and I, the, the idea of no exceptions is so radical to most Americans, right? So, uh, I mean, that, that's, if you look at polling, um, and uh, after the uh, election of Republic, I mean, abortion has become more popular, legal abortion, more supported, um, after Dobbs, and and the, only eight percent of the country believes in abortion without exception. So, this is—I really believe there would be space for Republicans to come in and say. By the way, you make the good point, which is like a lot of a lot of MAGA is actually pro-choice. Like they're not in it for the for the pro-life thing. Like right, and so, um, and they weren't Republicans or Democrats before they came into MAGA. Right, they've been. They, they weren't politically active. They weren't politically uh, committed. So this is this inherent conflict. And and but what would it take for Republicans to just step out and say we see what has happened? We believe that the end of Roe was was a victory because it was wrongly decided, and this is more democratic. It should be decided by each state. But you know, me personally, candidate, you know, for brains, I believe that that you know I, that 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 abortion. I believe in exceptions, um, and and I, I believe in this sort of you know somehow measured position. But running and hiding, I mean, what was so interesting was watching the pro life leaders after the election say, "We we didn't hear from Republicans. They ran and hid. We want them to make clear their position, and until they do, they can't even begin to try to win back voters on this issue, right? And that's the truth. I mean, only Ron DeSantis, I guess, is running from fifteen weeks to six, but. But but I don't hear him like you know rhetorically talking defending it. But he will have to later. This is just a place where that becomes untenable for swing voters. And then of course yes, what 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 lost the elections for Republicans in the midterms? Trump candidates and abortion. And so the the the, the election denialism. Um, you know even Laura Ingram is constantly tweeting to leave that behind. Leave that behind. Don't talk about rigged elections. Don't talk about stolen elections. Like. It, are, are the candidates, Jonah, going to st actually stand up and say to Trump, a, I mean, A, I doubt they'll talk about abortion and, and, and address this liability. But the 2024 field, are they going to actually say to Trump, like, you lost to Joe Biden. You actually lost the election and it wasn't stolen. I mean, this, right, we don't know that. And so, you know, as they think about, Trump's not going to think about any of this. So if he's the nominee, that's where the party's going. Uh, but it's really incumbent on these other candidates to try to reshape this primary by addressing those liabilities. And I just don't see them doing it. So I want to get to that in one second, but just a factual question, because um, I've been touting for a long time how you could tell where the smart position was for Republicans by where DeSantis and Youngkin went immediately after Dobbs. They were like, uh, first, you know, mid first trimester. Uh, it's okay, and then it gets harder and harder, which I think is really the sweet spot for most Americans too. And um, and then they just went silent on it. 
which I thought was the smart political thing, right? Um, but so now I saw that DeSantis, that Florida's moving towards a six-week rather than a 15-week thing. Is that driven by DeSantis or is that DeSantis giving in to the state legislature? You know, because I have this, let me put it in this context. I have this theory about DeSantis that he is more of a Ferris Bueller than people realize, by which I mean he sees a parade and he runs out in front of it and pretends that he's leading it. Um, and, uh, you know, he didn't want to do the thing that he did with, with Disney. Twitter wanted more flesh than he was willing, than he planned on giving. So he had to go for more because he, he has to stay sort of in front of the very online right. And I think he often, because he wants to look like he's leading the online right rather than following it. But I think he's often following it. And I'm wondering, is he following the legislature here? Like, is this something that he asked the legislature to do? Or is this something that the legislature said, hey, you know, we're going to do this anyway, and you should get out in front of it? You know, I don't know that. Um, but in the end, really, what does it matter? I mean, if 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 Ron DeSantis is going to saddle himself with this and not um, try to work for 15 weeks, he's going to end up with it. And that's going to be his policy. And it's going to it's going to be one of the things that define his candidacy. Um, when this comes up as an issue, should it come up as an issue? Um, and and he, let's say, is trying to differentiate himself from Mike Pence um, on stage. And so um, I don't know if he's just a bandwagoner, but like that's that's his record now. Right. That's that's what we're that's def all these things are going to define DeSantis um, it, that he wants to get desperately get to the right of Trump on vaccines like. You know, all that stuff is is going to be that's what is going to be what he's selling. He's going to be selling a six week man because he didn't bite it. Um, so on this desperately getting to the right of vaccines thing, um, I get it. I have lots of friends who are still very angry about the COVID period, and there are things to be angry about. I'm not trying to belittle it. You know, I think that there are. The system overall did not behave very well, and we can we can bring in the giant truck full of steaming piles of blame, and we can apportion it in maybe different ways to different people and different institutions. But have you seen polling that suggests, like, I, here's my again, here's my point. I think the the sort of the Twitter conversation, the very online conversation, the 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 sort of Claremont Institute, uh, uh, young Republican kind of uh, hothead universe thinks that the, the vaccine stuff is a really salient political issue. And my question is, is it actually that? Or is this purely like the hothouse of Republican pre-primary primary politics? Um, like, because I it, it just feels like one of these, you know, issues that is of raging concern to a small group of people. And I, that's fine. There are all sorts of issues like that. But the small group of people think it's actually a raging concern to large numbers of people because they're in an echo chamber. Do you have a sense one way or the right. other? Well, I think the very online right and the very online left live in bubbles and it's myopic and they can't, you know, they can't understand that the rest of us disagree or don't care um, because they don't inform themselves about that. That's fine. I think that Ron DeSantis has 
has a lot of appeal to the general electorate if he talks about learning loss and keeping businesses alive in COVID. So the fewer restrictions part of his governing, I think is very appealing. Um, he can, I mean, Florida's a different place. People could be outside more easily. There was a lot of death and sickness and hospitalization, but he can really do an, you know, he can, he can have like a little brochure about that that really works. I think the vaccine thing is, it's not because, because a, a, a considerable chunk of Americans are sitting around to this day saying, the J&J vaccine gave my son, you know, my teenage son heart inflammation or whatever. It's that he was just trying to find another place where he could run to the right of Trump. And that he knew that there was a lot of anti-vax sentiment within MAGA and that he could fire that up. Um, and he can because they booed Trump on stage about the vaccines. Like, right? like we know that he knows it'll work with MAGA. But um, I think so that I think that was just like he wanted to have another trick in his um, primary you know, bag. But um, but I but no, I don't think that that's it's just it's just it's not compelling beyond beyond the primary. And I think it obviously wounds him for the general election. I think it's stupid. But I do think that Ron DeSantis has a real story to tell about um, the pressure that he resisted um, and he can sort of fluff it and, you know, spin it in ways that really would work in a general election. Okay, so I want to I wheel back to the, the Trump indictment stuff to, to close this out. Um, I wrote my LA Times column about this. Um, uh, and I am fully aware that for some people, my theory is absolutely wrong. But it seems to me that if you know other indictments are coming down the pike, um, uh, coming to Trump's side or support, supporting Trump on, on the Bragg indictment, particularly when it's the Romney position, right? So like the, the Romney position of, I don't think Trump is fit. I mean, forget the Romney, the every other Republican position, which is, this is a political uh, stretch. It's bad, blah, 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 right? Um, that actually could be a smart play for people like DeSantis and Pence and all these people because it 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 gives it allows them when the next indictment comes the ability to say hey look I'm not a reflexive get Trump guy I got his back on this thing but this thing is different it's more serious it's more buttoned down um and we have to take it seriously and we have to let you know the rule of law blah 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 and um and so in a weird way, there's all this talk, which I've contributed to, um, about how Bragg going first was bad. But there's actually an argument to say getting the weakest one out there first is kind of good because then it lets everybody get on record of saying, look, I'm not a puppet of the mainstream media and blah, 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 blah. But when the next one comes down, you can say, whoa, you know, this is not some cheap list of misdemeanors. This is like a serious thing here. Um, and we have to take it seriously. And am I crazy about that? Or do you, and also, do you think it's actually going to happen? I think I'm right theoretically, logically, like, like rhetorically, but like, 
do you think when the next indictment comes, assuming it does, uh, you'll see the change of tune among a lot of Republicans? I think um, that I completely understand your theory, and I thought January 6th would inoculate them. Um, but lo, here's where we are, and you might be at Men's Warehouse, and I'm holding your purse outside <laughs> the dressing room. Um, I, you know, Jonah, I hope so. I, I think it's entirely feasible, right? Just like you say, you get your street cred on the brag thing. You say this is an outrage. And then you hold up, you know, the Jack Smith indictment. And you say right here on page 96, this is a violation of, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, you you could you can do that, right? Can and will are different things. And, and in between is the sea. And I am so hoping that they find the fortitude to do that. Um, and 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 the, and the courage to piss off and isolate a bunch of the mega base who don't I mean who believe that only fake Americans like me have to be held to account and that Donald Trump gets to crime his way through life because he's Trump and he's a real American and all that I mean there there will be incredible pushback to anyone who stands up and says I think this is you know potentially a really sound case and a very very serious set of of evidence you know series of of data and evidence that's been presented by the prosecutor, and I'm very disturbed. I mean, I am rooting for them, and I'm rooting for your theory, but boy, um, I'm not chilling the champagne. I well, so no, that's all fair. But you know, uh, as I asked you for proof, or not for getting proof, evidence that your theory about Biden might be right. Small signs. So small signs. Kevin McCarthy on Sunday after the indictment. Um, at least the the podcast that Jesse one of those guys, um, some right wing podcast, McCarthy was like, "Look, I don't, you know, like it happens all the time that the guy who's the front runner far out isn't the eventual nominee. We have to have a candidate who's going to take the fight to Biden and talk about Biden's record and not make it about you know anything else." Blah 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 blah. Trump at the time, by far and away the front runner, and Kevin McCarthy, a man of uh, yoga swami-like pliability um, for ass-kissing with Donald Trump didn't go there, which I thought was interesting. Also, the same weekend that Trump gets indicted, Asa Hutchinson come, you know, moves up his schedule to say that, uh, we should, you know, that, that Trump should step aside and, and, and not run and deal with the indictment. Um, I agree with you that he's probably not going to go anywhere and um he's really bad at delivering what was the right message but he's presumably he's seeing something that said okay i'm gonna wait you know i wasn't planning on announcing anytime soon but let me go on abc and tell jonathan carl this and then as you put it out which you know i was looking to see who was going to show up at mar-a-lago for the the airing of the grievances speech um and it was, you know, it was the, you know, it was the, the, the Mount Rushmore of asininity and nobody else, you know, and at the protests in New York, you know, Donald Trump got Marjorie Taylor Greene and George Santos, you know, that is not exactly they're sending their best, right? And uh, just, and just, for, it's kind of a DNC commercial. Yeah, no, I mean, like, and, and did you see the interview that Marjorie Taylor Greene gave with like right side nation, was it one of these weird right wing things where she said, look, yeah, lots of people. Um, Donald Trump is joining the ranks of some of our greatest America, greatest people who were ever lived who were arrested. Jesus, 
Nelson Mandela, you know, and um, uh, and fun trivia, the person who was interviewing her is actually her boyfriend, um, which is a great little metaphor for the relationship between the MAGA right and the MAGA press corps. Um, but anyway, it seems to me like the fact that these people didn't want to go down and be on a stage at a moment where everybody's talking about solidarity and supporting Trump um, they don't want to go down there and they're like, yay, you got indicted for stooping a porn star and, and paying hush money for it. I mean, it, it seems to me like the GOP wants to escape and they're at least keeping a big chunk of them are keeping their powder dry for the possibility that they'll be able to. Oh, that I believed all along. They want, they want him gone and they loathe this. They hate being trapped. They hate being hostages but they're not doing anything about it. That's my, that's my thesis is that they refuse to act on it because they're cowards. And, you know, that's, that's the problem is that on February 13th of 2021, the, the whole thing could have ended, but Republicans wouldn't impeach him. You know, MAGA would have cried and screamed for six months before they found somebody else. It was a long way till the midterms, a long way to the next presidential, almost four years. So whatever. I mean, this is, this is what they've done to themselves. So Kevin McCarthy can do that for Brian Fitzpatrick and his other, you know, um, moderate, not moderates, but, you know, his, his frontliners, his Biden district Republicans who, who say, you know, you need to give us some space and some breathing room. Um, and it's a logical thing to say that the front runner, usually a year out, doesn't end up being the candidate, the nominee. But what Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy wish for has nothing to do with the prime with what the primary voters will do after people in that race refuse to take him on. I just that's my that right. Mitch McConnell cannot talk to Donald Trump and use wry comments at a Ohio clock press conference at two thirty on a Tuesday every week. But I don't think that Tim Scott or um, or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Mike Pence are prepared to take Trump on to take him down to stop him from being the nominee because they're too afraid of his base and so and 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 they what they all know jonah is that in the back of their head they know he's going to burn it down so no one's going to like win the nomination anyway because if you beat donald trump and you become the nominee he goes to burn it all down he doesn't have the patience to be a third party candidate he's too lazy to he doesn't have the organization he does he doesn't want to spend the money he's too cheap so he won't run a third party ticket. He'll just boycott the election and say that the person who is has been nominated rigged it and they're a rhino socialist loser Democrat anyway. And he will take a, just a perfect amount of percentage that kills, you know, that in these close elections we have that we've been talking about, 77,000 votes in 2016, 44,000 votes in 2020. If you peel away from Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, you know, you're three or 6% of the vote and they stay home, that's game over. So these people are literally thinking right now, I just want the base to remember that I wasn't too mean to him so that if I win the nomination, maybe they won't boycott me. That is the strategy that I see right now. And so we can all join Kevin and Mitch and be like, yeah, man, it would be so great if he just became catatonic somewhere and played golf and forgot he was ever president. But that's wish casting. Not, no one is willing to take him down. And so um, that's why I so firmly believe that it's the primary votes, 
electorate that's in charge. And until unless you try to change the primary electorate with your persuasion, with energizing new voters to come out and, and be primary voters, with a real campaign to knock this guy out, he's going to be the nominee. Or just get rid of primaries entirely, which is, you know, my preferred approach. But Right, right. So. All right, AB. Um, I'm. Thank you for holding my bag while I was in the dressing room. You know, trying on my you know uh, adjustable fit pants, um, and uh, um, that's very all very depressing. But you're probably right. So uh, I'll go back to cutting cutting myself. I, I come here to depress, and I'm never going to get asked back on the remnant. But I do want to say um, I'm going to break the rules, Jonah, and say that I was at a I spoke at a deep state globalist conference this weekend and um, a couple introduced themselves to me and um, told me that they have listened. They've read every word you've ever written. They've listened to every single pod and they listen to them together and then discuss it over dinner. And that if you were quote, a God, if they were religious, that they would worship you. And we had such a Jonah fest um, and you just have the best audience. And it was just awesome. Did um at some point in this conversation, some people in white coats come and escort this this lovely couple away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They were totally normal and highly educated and gainfully employed and completely sane. We just waxed over you and we had such a JG fest and it was just, no, they're totally normal deep state globalists and it was awesome. I appreciate it greatly. Tell them I said uh, wonderful audience well, no, i agree entirely that the remnant audience is a wonderful audience that 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 is that is true i they are better than me i won't go that <laughs> far but um they're awesome so it's an honor as always to join you and i'll hold your purse anytime do we have to call it a purse can't we call it like a carry-all or something remember that seinfeld yeah yeah something like that you know uh, uh hold my hold my, you know like hold my uh i'll hold your beer there you go hold my beer or hold my my lumberjack axe or something manly, something with more testosterone right. to it. So, <laughs> But I, I want everyone to know that when Biden announces his re-election campaign, I've, I'm just somewhere, you know, with my hair falling out. That's, that's, I, I, I'm staying there. When he announces either way, I want dibs on the first podcast interview with you, either to console or to praise you as the one person who called it publicly. Okay, I'm there. Thank you for having me back since I broke the rule and complimented you. Yeah, yeah, well, you'll be punished. Okay, so AB has left. Um, as you can tell, love talking to AB. She's one of my favorite people. Um, I apologize for uh, the cursing. Um, you know, just, you know, she's a, she's a body gal. Um, and what are you going to do? Um, but no, I, 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 I love AB dearly. and. Um, I have nothing that I think I'm supposed to tell you other than uh, looking forward to the May 1st event, which we'll have put info about that in the subscriber-only version of the G file today, assuming I can write it um, on the way uh, home. Um, I got a crazy busy day. I have to talk to a, a university class. I don't know if I should disclose the university, but it's one of the best um, about conservatism stuff. And um, um, and Passover is coming, as we all know. And um, uh, also, we've gotten some complaints about the embedded player at the dispatch since we switched uh, platforms. We're aware of it. We're on it. Adam is mainlining nicotine night and day. 
uh, um, trying to work to, to fix the problems or get a better one. Uh, it will be dealt with. If you need to switch to Apple Podcasts, you know, one of the other sort of uh, uh, platforms for a little while while we work this out, we understand, you know, we are not traffic driven anyway, so it's not the end of the world. You can still, if you're a member, you can still comment when you come back over to the dispatch. But we apologize. It's just a, uh, it's just one of these things. And um, with that, uh, I'll see you next time. No, you won't. This is a podcast. <laughs>